2: All right, now did anybody notice that uh, I played a different guitar today than usual? I wanted to share a little bit about this guitar. You might not have seen this one, I don't bring it to the church a lot, but that's not the first time this guitar has ever played Redeemed. I bought this guitar, It's, it's like a 1972 or something like that, Guild guitar. It's a, it's a good name brand guitar, it's a, it's a really nice guitar for its day, but when I got it, you can tell it's, it's like it's been drugged behind a pickup truck a couple of times. Uh, when I got it, I paid like a hundred bucks for it, and I think I got ripped off when I, I thought I was getting ripped off, but the strings were about this high off the, the neck, and you couldn't, they were so high off the neck you couldn't press them down good. And then if you could press them down, it wouldn't stay in tune because all the tuners up here were broke and, and old and was letting the strings slip. And, and I said, well, maybe there's something I, I can do. I know it's supposed to be a good sounding guitar. So is, instead of giving it to somebody who knew what they were doing, I thought I would just do it myself. And so I tried to lower the little bridge part, you know, sort of bring the strings down so they would go across the neck straight. But uh, I brought it down as low as I could, and it was still way off the thing. And it, it's because it, it buckles a little bit. And really, you're supposed to steam it and have a professional rework the wood. But no, not me. I got the, the belt sander out. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what came to mind. If it's too high, sand it down. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always with the belt sander. You'll find out. Well, anyway, I sanded down this bridge part. It was supposed to be about that high. That's really not the way to fix a guitar, I found out. Because now I had sanded down the little groove that the the bridge part was supposed to fit in. And when I put the strings over it, it would flop over. It had no groove to sit in. And I said, oh, no, I've done messed this thing up. And I started to throw it away. I just started to throw the guitar away. I said, well, it ain't worth the trouble. I messed it up. And I don't want nobody to know how stupid I am. (laughs) (laughs) But then I got the right idea. I started thinking about it. What can I do? And I tried different things to put in there to see what would hold the strings up. And them strings got so much tension. I finally settled on just like a household nail, like you hammer into the wood, you know, and it, and what's that right there? It's, it's just a rusty old nail, and I don't know how, but the height of that rusty old nail is perfect. Look at them strings off of it. Boy, this thing plays like butter now, all up and down the neck, and and then I said, well, what can I do to make it stay in tune? So I bought some new tuners and replaced them, and I got the wrong kind, and they didn't really fit, you know, and uh, the old screw holes, but I put them in anyway. <laughs> And so you can look on the back there. You'll see the household screws I screwed them in with, and you'll see holes that, you know. And so I said, hey, man, this thing is staying in tune. It's sounding pretty good. And so when I would try to play it and slide up and down the neck, I was hitting a bunch of bumps because somebody had smoked and kept a cigarette in there or something, and the ashes would fall on it, and it kind of burnt the the lacquer on the back, and and they'd let it fall over. And the back was just really bumpy and sticky. So I got some sandpaper out, and I just sanded that booger down, you know. It isn't real pretty, but it slides real good now. And, and it, look, it's missing, like, the hole is busted. That's barely holding that up there. If you look on the front end, my daughter was wrestling in the house, and it was sitting on a stand, and she knocked it into the... Oh, I remember... She about gouged a big, huge hole in it, and I don't clean it much, and I don't wash it up. As you see, it's got tape on it where I tape song lists when I use it sometimes. And but I did put a pickup in it and fixed it up. And why am I telling you all about this guitar? I don't know. (laughs) But I'll tell you more later. We'll we'll discuss later. We'll discuss later why I told you all this. But like I said, that's not the first time that guitar has played redeemed. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 25. Go to verse 31, if you would. Jesus talking. He says, when the Son of Man, and that's Jesus, comes in his glory, that means in the end, after everything is wrapped up and all this silliness and nonsense going on with the devil is, is over with down here, when he comes in his glory and all these angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Woo, I can't wait for that day. And all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Did you know sheep and goats don't get along that well? He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and fed me. And you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. I don't remember those scriptures in the Bible where it said Jesus was in prison. Do you remember Jesus being in prison? And that's kind of the way the the sheep were feeling about this thing. Because the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king, the king of kings, our king, Jesus, will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Wow. Wow when you were showing compassion, when you were letting the love he gave you flow out to the least of these. Think about that. Some of us, we confess that we love Jesus. Man, we love Jesus more than everybody. We got more head knowledge about Jesus. You could have quoted this scripture, you know, by memory, some of you. And and you want to express yourself. How do you express all this love that we have for Jesus? What's the best way? Just tell him, We tell him all the time. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, didn't he? (laughs) Clearly, we see from this scripture that Jesus takes it personally when we love the needy, when we care for the downtrodden and the broken, somebody that... You know, it'd be easy not to care about. It would be easy to look over. But Jesus takes it personally. So when you do that to the least of these, you might as well say, Jesus, I did that for you. Because he's up there saying, thank you. Thank you. It touches his heartstrings. You want to touch Jesus' heartstrings? You touch the needy. They may not, you may not think they deserve it, but it ain't about what you think. It's about what Jesus thinks. And he has charged his people to go into all the world. He has charged his people to take care of the needy. I know the government here in the United States of America thinks it's their job. They just want to give the people a fish. But they don't want to teach them to fish. They want to keep them dependent so they can get their votes. And they're not doing it right. They're not loving the people. They're just... Giving handouts. There's no, whatever you want to call it. Psalms 82 tells it like this in verse 3. God says, give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue, say "Rescue." rescue, the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. Do you not sense the darkness? Everybody's got Facebook. I know you look on there and you see the darkness in our society today, and those people are stuck in it. Do you know, like those children at O'Brien Park, you know they may grow up in that darkness? Some of them may not feel loved, know what love is. They may have never traveled outside the borders of their block. And so when when you're raised in something, and you've never seen anything different, you don't even know it exists. You have no idea that there is a better life. You don't even know that there is love. You don't know that there is a God who created you. They haven't heard these things. And so when we go to the least of these, we're touching God's heart. Now, what I've done, I've taken a portion straight out of a a Sunday service, a clip, an audio clip um, that was the Sunday after we went to O'Brien Park this summer where you guys took the microphone and where you shared what it meant. Because you see, love works both ways. What it meant to you. And I've taken some pictures that we've taken at O'Brien Park this year, and I've put them into a little slideshow. It's a little lengthy, but I couldn't cut it down, man. I w- Angie got on me. You've got to cut that down. That's going to be too long. We've got communion and everything. So I, I said, but it's so important. These, what the people are saying is preaching the best, better message than I could ever preach. I mean, everything that is spoken, I want, you to, I want you to look at the pictures, but I want you to listen to the words of our people on the Sunday after our last outreach at O'Brien Park,
3: A lot of the children were very young and like, I met these two sisters named Destiny and Kayla. And I mean, the oldest was three. And they, I mean, she was smart and talked to me and I was with them the whole time because they were there by themselves. Their mom didn't wasn't with them at all. And, um, from the kids, what I learned, what I could tell, was that they weren't used to people sticking around to play with them. And I mean, like they were grabbing my hand, running from, running from like the swing to making stuff, and then making me color it because they didn't want another kid to come and take me. And <laughs> like it was fun though, because I mean they gave me the biggest hug, like when I left. Especially the sisters that I stayed with till their mom got there. They were so sweet and very, very happy that we did that.
2: Josh, you uh, uh, was playing basketball with them, and, and they thought, like, uh, he was Larry Bird or something. You know? <laughs> they couldn't get the ball from him you know, all over the place, you know, and he had, like, 20 kids chasing him down. Had a good time. Anybody else want to share something? Got some in the back? What's you next. Uh,
0: yesterday, um, this little boy came up, and he'd been up there once already, and he said, um, Can I have a hamburger? And I said, sure. You know, and I knew he'd been up there before. He said, can I have it to go? And um, I know sometimes that what we do, it's the only hot meal they have that day. Sometimes they go home and there's nothing in the cabinet. There's nothing in the fridge. You know, I put full over it and I gave it to him. And I don't know why, because it's the only person I ever said that to all day. And I looked at him in the eye and I said, Jesus loves you and he looked at me back and he said I love you and it just touched my heart because I remember when I was a little girl and there was nothing in the cabinet you know and I'm just so glad that we were there to make a difference in their lives that that day and not just that it was any day, it was two days after what what happened in Dallas, that was a God thing the same line as the children, um, I had a few come up, put their head on my shoulder, and all they wanted was a hug or attention, because I don't get that at home, they don't get it at all, and I dealt with the little boy, and he was like, why can't we have a to-go plate? And I said, well, we first have to make sure everybody gets to eat, and he said, well, I'd eat it later if they'd let me take it home, and I said, <laughs> I did, I said, well, just go up there and ask them. That's all you can do is go up there and ask him. So apparently he did, and he got his hamburger. But I also dealt with the two little sisters, and I could not believe that they were there by themselves. But they just hung around. You know, like you said, they kind of latch on to just one person, and all they want is attention and love, and they just don't get it at home. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. But we had a wonderful time yesterday. Yeah. I initially really didn't want to go because I had a spirit of fear since all that stuff happened. But I I thought, and I'm not even good with kids, I, I've admitted this, but I, I just had, there was so much joy when they would come up and just, they were so grateful and so sweet, and you would expect them. There was a couple that had a little honoriness in them, but I can get on right back. But I mean, I just... That experience, I want to say, and I wish Tyler had gone come with me. It really changed my life. It it, it changed how I, I. said, "Man, you missed it. You missed it. You missed something awesome." To him.
2: Tyler, it's unusual that he didn't go. I'm sure he had a good excuse. He he usually goes to everything. Anybody else? Got John Jean.
3: Yes, I wasn't able to do too much, but I was just so lifted up watching them children's faces just be lightened up and just having so much fun. Man, it just made me just enjoy that park so much, the music. Little girls running by and smiling at Chad, and Chad wink at wink winking at them, excuse me. They break out with us, hey, they break out with such a pretty little smile, you know, and. And seen a few of them was frowning. Then they just turned up frown to smile. It just made me feel so good that we were able to do
1: that for them. You know. Yeah,
3: yeah. I just wanted to say we went down there yesterday. I'm going to get up here because I want everybody to hear this. I really do. I want you to hear this. We went out here yesterday. I didn't want to go. I told Pastor two weeks ago, Pastor, he didn't call me. He called you. I'm just going because you want me to go. And I'm going to tell you what, it was a doggone blessing. We fed the people yesterday. We fed 200 plus hot dogs and over 100 hamburgers, thank you, Daniel and his, we made a, a lot of children, we made a difference, a lot of them kids wanted to come back for seconds, thirds. I told my wife, she said, should we keep feeding them? I said, keep feeding them, that may be the only meal they get today. If they won't take it home, let them take it home. That's what we was there for. We fed them with the, the grills, pastor and them them fed them in their spirit. And we had, like, uh, Bill and several other people. I was busy cooking. I can't name all the people. So if I don't mention your name, don't be, you know, it's just because I was busy. But we went down there and fed their spirit. We fed their body. We had their attention. And I think we went down there and done the Lord's work yesterday. And next year, we, I am. Because it was a blessing to me as much as it was in children. And I promise you, they, they're, they're looking forward to us coming back. So anyone who couldn't make it. I encourage you to try to go next year because you're going to be really glad you went. You're going to feel like you actually done something for these people's spirit and for their bodies. You're going to go home feeling good about what you did. I went home tired. When I left, all I could think about was that air conditioner running at the house. And that water, it runs. And my wife told me, she said, you know what, some of them people may not even have running water. They may, they may have to go home to no air conditioning. We went home, got in our nice bed, got in our nice air conditioner, turned on the faucet. I'm like that guy that we went to the show, and he was talking about how many faucets he had in his house. Man, we had water in every faucet, hot and cold. A lot of these kids, they may not even get a bath at night. So I just wanted to tell you, we we went down there as a church, and I think we did what we were called to do yesterday. And it wasn't nothing each one of us done for ourselves, but, you know, I'm just saying that I encourage everyone to go next year. You know, and I imagine Pastor was talking about we're going to do some outreach in this
2: area too, right? Uh Yes, sir. Yeah, we're going we're going to do whatever the Lord asks us to do. Anybody else? I think Tom wanted to say a word.
1: I just want to thank everybody for uh, giving into it financially and coming and giving their part Uh yesterday. I won't be able to mention everybody's name because I missed some, but. I know that people jumped in at the last minute and helped us. We went and canvassed all the apartments and all the houses in that area, passing out all the brochure that a pastor guy gave us. And uh, so we was able to canvass the whole area. And while, while we was there at the park, you know, I, I, I watch everything. I'm always looking around and watching people and watching the children, all the children was there and everything that was going on. And as, as I was watching all these children uh, playing over on the playground, you know, I noticed a lot of little Hispanic children had came this time, and some of the little girls may not have been about six or eight or ten years old, and they was all dressed up. They had their dresses on, and they was really uh, dressed up for this uh, the occasion, and you could, see, you could see the joy, and you could see the, the hope in these children, because these children really haven't become like a lot of adults. Their heart hadn't been hard and they hadn't learned about hatred and prejudice and different things. And as the people was ministering to these children, you see, God's going to use these children in these last days. And a lot of these children's parents can't speak English, but these kids, they go to school and they speak English just like we can. And as Pastor Guy was sitting there ministering to these children and talking them about Jesus, He said there was 25 or 30. I don't know how many there was, but there was quite a few children there yesterday. And he ministered to them about Jesus. These kids, listen, God's word won't return void. These kids are like sponges. They're listening. We don't know how many people got saved yesterday, how many children did, but I'm telling you, God was really doing a work out there uh, yesterday. We had two prayer lines and uh, also him ministering to the children, that prayer there. But at the, after the, the second prayer line, the last prayer line, um, we people came forward for prayer and I had two people standing out about as far as that pulpit away from me there. And I looked at them, and I said, what do y'all need? What do y'all want from God? And they both approached me and I asked them, I said, are you saved? He said, no. I said, are you saved? And she said, no. And so I started ministering to them and after, after a while, uh, uh, I got them to the point or the Holy Spirit got them to the point uh and they got and they got born again well i don't know how they got there but they had two children with us and they were staying in a hotel over on the other side of of lamar across from a gas a service station they didn't, i don't know how they got there they must have walked but after the church had gave them a watermelon and gave them some chips and stuff they said he came to me and says do you could you give us a ride because we can't walk with all this stuff back to the hotel so one of my friends that came from Fraser to help us he gave him a ride back to the uh, the hotel and spoke to him and ministered to him on the way. But I'm telling you, yesterday, you talking about the love of God and the peace and the joy of God that was out there in that park. I'm telling you, there, there's nothing, there's nothing that can take the place of seeing the hand of God and seeing the work of God and seeing the love of God in there. When the devils, when we was there, I got there early. And there wasn't a drop of rain. I drove two blocks over, and it was raining. Yeah. Listen, we was there. I was the last person to leave. I was right behind Chester and uh, uh And we was the last player. I thought we was going to have to get security to get Patty to leave. She's over there taking pictures of them kids. She don't want to go. Uh, Ruth and Keith don't want to go. I said, look, you know, it's time to go. And as soon as I left there, I got on the interstate before I got to the next exit, which is Airways it started pouring down raining it rained all the way but while we was there the whole time most of the time we had clouds we had a breeze and there was not one drop of rain but two blocks over it was raining but it didn't rain there i tell you what it did rain did rain the holy ghost
2: It rained on us all the way back to the church to unload, and when we got to the church, it stopped raining. We unloaded, and when we got back in the truck, it started raining again. Reflected there, That's the passion that we have to do God's will. You know, many had come before Jesus professing to be the Messiah with their smooth talk and their intellectual ramblings about how to know God and how they might be God and how to show the way to God. But Jesus, he's the one that came from God. And he spoke with authority as God. He wasn't just gathering a following so that he could stroke his ego. He was gathering a following so that he could give, them, give himself to them. And he was teaching a radical new way to do life. They called it the way for a while before they began to call us Christians. We were the way. Jesus showed a new way. He showed that God is love. And God's love has hands and feet. Amen? Jesus was more than just talk. You know, a lot of people, they feel like Christianity is just a belief system. It's what you believe. You know, it's, it's characterized by how much you agree with God. <laughs> but Jesus wasn't just talking. He wasn't just sharing mere knowledge because mere knowledge just puffs up. You know, you can sit there on that purple chair and you can hear all the, the wisdom of God and study the Bible all you want. And if you never put that Into action, you're just getting puffed up. You got to release all that, or you're going to blow up. You don't get love if you don't give love. It's you got to be a a pipe. You got to be a vessel that's putting out like you're getting in. Jesus wasn't a sayer only; he was a doer. He came to demonstrate, not just to talk about to demonstrate his love, as you see on the cross. He doesn't intend for us just to agree, but he intends for us to go and do likewise. That's Christianity. What would Jesus do? Don't agree with it. Go do it. Amen? <laughs> so what if, what if giving just a warm cup of water to somebody is more powerful than telling them, oh, go be warm and be fed, and I hope you win the lottery, and I have all these great thoughts towards you. What's more powerful? Just a little cup of water. It's doing the gospel that really matters. That's what's wrong with people's perception of Christianity here in America. They think we're all talk. But that's wrong. I don't agree with people's perceptions of Christianity, and I'll fight for the church. I believe the church does many great things, and I'm not going to sit there and bash the church. You know me. We just had I love my church month. I love the church, but that's that's the way people see us because many have set that bad example. They want to tell everybody how to live, but they don't want to get in anybody's life and help anybody live. Woo! I'm preaching real good now. What can we learn from a love like that? When we examine Jesus' life, let's examine just a little bit. Well, first we see that his love is for everyone. For God so loved the world. He didn't classify anybody. God so loved the world, he's not prejudiced in any way. He's not prejudiced in any way. And if you are, that's something you need to work out. I mean, out and gone. You need to get past any prejudice that you have towards anybody. That means ISIS. That means anybody. We're called to love like Jesus loved, and God loves the world. You know those people in ISIS? They're just trapped in their, their way of thinking like the, the people at O'Brien, may, I was saying. They don't know any better until somebody shows them some love. Now, I would like to get a hold of them a couple my, myself but, and show them, you know, the five-fold ministry. <laughs> then we heal them afterwards, you know. There is a tough love. I'm not saying you agree with anything they do. I'm not talking about agreement. I'm talking about, but under it all, you care about their soul because that's what's going to last forever. We're not warned against flesh and blood. The people are not our issue. It's the principles that they have been taught and the, the things from the enemy. And guess what? Our own nation is being divided against itself. And it's, it's clearly... It's the evil one that's coming into our nation trying to divide people in America. And I want you to come Wednesday night because we're going to have a powerful message about the divisions going on here in America. If you don't come Wednesday, we have a 7 o'clock Wednesday service called our Next Level Service, and it's awesome. I mean, if you've been coming on Wednesday, you'll probably agree that you get just as much on Wednesday, if not more, than you do on Sunday. So come Wednesday, we'll talk about this prejudice issue. You know, Jesus healed people from all backgrounds. One government official had a sick son. Jesus healed him. Then Jesus, next thing you know, he's, he's delivering some maniacs that are running around in the tomb at night, around the tombs at night, cutting themselves, filled with demons, you know. He healed blind Bartimaeus. He healed Jairus' daughter. Jairus was a, a a leader of the Jewish religion. And so there was royalty that he healed, but he... he he bent down and he and he healed a leper. He healed ten lepers at one point. You know, lepers were outcast. They were quarantined. They were unclean. They couldn't touch anybody. They couldn't get around anybody. They were they were so starved for love, maybe just conversation. They were lonely. But Jesus, he reached out to them. At, oh yeah, yeah, you can get. It's contagious. <laughs> But see, love is bigger than contagious. His love was, is contagious. Jesus even healed Peter's mother-in-law. I mean, there's got to be a point where you say that's enough. Jesus, no. <laughs> I'm sorry to all the mother-in-laws in here. Just had to throw a joke in there, lighten it up. But Jesus wasn't—he wasn't afraid of what people thought. He wasn't a politician. He ain't, you know, looking at the polls or public opinion. He's not reading the news to see what he's going to believe. He is the truth himself. He cannot deny himself. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He knew what he was about. He wasn't swayed. He was a servant leader. And that was something that people didn't understand, and some some people still don't understand that. They think boss means I get to boss everybody around. But Jesus got on his knees, and he washed his disciples' feet. He was, never made himself out to be too good for anybody. He never lifted his nose up in the air at anybody. He traveled with former tax collectors and fishermen and had a... He had a former harlot that had been demon-possessed that was traveling with him. He witnessed to the, to the religious people of his time. He witnessed to the, the non-religious, the heathens. The, wherever he was at, he was telling them, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Get your life right. He, he ministered to men and women which wasn't usually done back in those days. Men weren't supposed to minister to women. They were second-class citizens. But Jesus sits with a Samaritan woman, which the Jews hated. And he sits and ministers to her until the whole town of Sychar, I think it was, comes to Jesus and gets saved because of the woman's testimony. He, he ministered to er- everywhere he went. There's no prejudice in Jesus' thinking. He didn't come to condemn either. He came to seek and save that which was lost. As testimony of the, the woman caught in adultery, thrown at his feet, and everybody's got their stones ready to stone her. He said, let, let those of you without sin cast the first stone. Boy, they would, they're out of there. See, sometimes we think <laughs> we've asked Jesus in our heart, and he's done, all, he's done all these good things for us, and now we're better than people. There's nothing more stinky than a self righteous Christian. Come on. We're saved by the same grace that they'll be saved by. (laughs) Anyway, he said, he just said, go and send them more. Where where are your condemners? And they they gone. (laughs) He said, well, neither do I condemn them. You see, right after. John 3:16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It says for God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. You got to keep reading. He's not he's not picking and choosing. He loves the world. And he's not here to condemn. When he fed the multitudes, it was it was it says 5000 men, there may have been 12, 15,000 and when you added the women and children, and he didn't break them up and say, okay, I'm not feeding you guys, you go. No, he was proving that all are welcome at the master's table. All there's nobody. He didn't he didn't give a nice meal to this group and hey, we'll give you the leftovers if there's any. All were welcome. There was abundance. God has provision for everybody. There's provision in his love. There's no sin that you can do that makes you unqualified for to sit at the table of God, except you reject his offer of free gift of salvation. Are you, you getting it? I got I to move on because we got things to do. He was called a friend of sinners, and I didn't see anywhere where he denied it probably wore it like a badge of honor. Not that he sinned. Not that he got in there with them. But he wanted them to know that I love you. And you can be saved. You can repent, just like everyone else. He was willing to bear with us. These are things Jesus was willing to do. And that's got to be tough. Think about you. (laughs) Think about me. I think about my life, he bears with me. You know what I mean? He bears with my doubts and my unbelief, and we surely, surely try his patience at times. But yet, when his disciples were in the boat and they're going across and a great storm comes and they should have stilled the storm themselves, they should have had enough faith by now. Oh, yeah, he was exasperated. Oh, my goodness. Is there not an ounce of faith? How long must I be with you? Yes, he was human, but he stilled the storm for him. And then he got so excited if anybody would show it, just a little bit of faith. Just a little bit. The Roman centurion sent somebody and said, Jesus, you don't have to come. Just send your word, and I know. And Jesus was like, yeah, somebody gets it. He was excited when he saw just a little bit of our faith. He just went around doing good. And, oh, he endured hardship in it. Sometimes he would minister past the point of exhaustion and his disciples. But, Jesus, you can't go on like this. You you look at the Scriptures. They were trying to tell him. He says, I have meat that you not, know not of. In other words, man, I'm just running on the Spirit. Here he is, the Son of God. And he says, I have no place to lay my head. I mean, I don't. And then in then the, the whole time, he's praying. I mean, he'll minister all day and all night, and then he'll sneak away and pray. And then in John 17, we see that he prayed for us. What do you mean he prayed for us? We weren't even around. He said, I pray for these disciples that are with me and all who will come to faith through what they preach, and that's us. And guess what? He's praying for us right now. It says he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. So all the knucklehead things you're doing, he's up there, oh, Lord. I mean, I mean, Father. <laughs> and he's praying for us. And he never veered from love, even when it cost him his life. He never veered. He... he He never shied away from that that depth of love that he displayed. He would tell the truth, though it cost him his life. When people didn't want to hear the truth, he would tell the truth because it's what they needed. He loved even his betrayer, Judas, didn't he? He betrayed his master with a kiss, but we know Jesus loved him. Then the soldier comes, you know, a gang of soldiers come, and one of them gets his ear cut off trying to arrest Jesus. And Jesus puts his ear back on. I mean, if you're being arrested, are you thinking about putting somebody's ear back on? You know what's coming down the pike. You just sweat great drops of blood. You're agonizing over about what... You, I mean, you could be a little hyped up. Would you stop and take time to pick somebody's ear up and put it back on? But that's what love does. And then they hauled him off to the cross. And they nailed him there. And they hung him up. They hung him like a piece of meat on some wooden beams. And what does he do? He looks down and says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Why is he even thinking about them right now? It's him up there suffering. That would be a me moment if it was at me on the cross. I'm just being honest. That's not the way love sees it. Father, forgive him. And then it, meanwhile, these two thieves, one on either side being on a cross beside him, they're railing at him. Yeah, don't you, if you're supposed to be somebody, why don't you get us down from here? And they're just going off on him. Like he don't have enough. He's been beat within an inch of his life and then had to carry the cross and the crown of thorns, things that they hadn't even experienced. I don't know what they're doing up there. Mind your own business. Don't you have enough problems without heaping on Jesus? But they're going off on Jesus, and Jesus doesn't say a word. He's not reeling back. That's what love does. Love doesn't love confrontation, love the exchange, love to put somebody in their place. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love knows when to be quiet. But something, the, the love of God must have just exuded from his very presence because we see before it's over, one of those thieves, that's been railing on him, all of a sudden says, let's stop railing on him. Let's stop, just leave him alone. He, he hadn't done nothing wrong. Just the presence of Jesus must have just condemned, uh, convicted his heart. And he finally ends up saying, Jesus, would you remember me when you enter into paradise? What does Jesus say? No, man, you've been over there talking about me for 45 minutes. What does love do? Basically, Jesus gave his life for a world where there was not one right person. Not one. There was none righteous. No, not one. Not one person. There were some people with good intentions. There were some people that tried. But he ca- while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were completely out of tune, we had an exalted opinion of ourselves. We were unusable. We were broke down, scarred, damaged. Jesus saw worth in us. Jesus began to sand off some places. He said, just trust me. In your brokenness, I'll make you beautiful. You know, I took this guitar and I thought about it. Every Christian song I ever wrote, I have I remember writing on this guitar. I've got more expensive guitars, better looking guitars. There's probably hundreds of guitars in music stores all around the world that are worth more. But this is the guitar I wrote all my songs on. This is the guitar that I take down to the jail ministry often. Where I sing redeemed and I sing praises to your name and the songs. We, we have praise and worship over the last 10 or more years that I've been going down there. Thousands upon thousands of men we've sung to this guitar with no amplification and worshiped God. And subsequently, hundreds upon hundreds, if not thousands, have given their heart to Jesus. This raggedy old guitar. Raggedy old thing. God took it. And you know what? I wouldn't trade this guitar for no $3,000 Taylor or Martin or whatever kind of guitar that they have at the music store. What guitar do you think is important to God? The one that makes harmony. The one that's praises god the one that leads people to repentance i don't know what this guitar was doing before i had it it was 20 years old or more before i got it it was beat up maybe it had tried to to play to the world maybe it had tried to make it in the bit in the big city in the music industry I, i don't know where it was headed i don't know where you've been headed i don't know What you've been doing with your life up until this point. Maybe you feel broken and that there's no way that God can use you. Maybe there's no harmony in your life. Maybe you think, I've been broken and I'm beyond repair. I beg to differ. If I can make a guitar sound, and make it into something usable for the kingdom of God. What could God do with your life? You are not past the point of no return. And this church, this church has been out of tune at times in our past. This church has big knocks where we've been knocked into some coffee tables in the past. This church has been through it. We've been out of tune at times. We've been, we've needed some sanding like every church we've hurt, we've felt the bumps and the bruises, we may not be pretty, but guess what, we're making music, we're making music, when I was praying about what to minister, I had some things in mind, I knew I'd show the video, Thursday night, I went to bed, and about 2 o'clock that morning, I woke up and my mind was just going, but it was something different about it. I I believe it was the Lord speaking to me. I don't know how you believe about if the Lord will speak to you in these days, but He speaks to me, (laughs) believe it or not, whether you want to believe it or not, but He does. And uh, if you don't believe that, I'm okay with that. You can just think these are my ramblings. But as fast as I could text down what I was getting, it was just like a download from heaven, and, I, and he wakes me up in the middle of the night because that's about the only time I'm still and quiet enough to hear good. And so I just start texting, and I'm a good, good texture. And but as fast as I could do it, and I have left it untouched other than spelled a few of the words correctly. But this is the order of what I got, and I thought I would share it here today. What if? Love is a verb and not a noun. What if Jesus really intends for us to go? What if he really meant that? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What if he were serious about building a church that mirrored his type of love? What if we are becoming that church? What if we're slowly beginning to get outside of ourselves and find the real purpose for our lives together, despite our preconceived notions that the church exists just to serve me, despite the way anybody else responds, or what all the other religious people are doing? What if we broke outside the walls of, of self and explore the radical reality that we were created for so much more than a steady paycheck more than just checking in and checking out what if in the end we weren't listed along with all the pharisees and the hypocrites and the cowards and the unbelievers and the disappointments like king saul and judas what if A Saul to Paul road to Damascus experience takes place in us. What if we were knocked off our high horse by a blinding light of God's love and came up saying, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, really? What if something is happening here? Will you kick against the goads? And refuse to pull your load? Or are you prepared to turn the world upside down with the real gospel? The ones with hands and feet. What if we are destined for Hebrews 11? What if this one life you were given counts? And God has given us this church to be our vehicle of real change. And it's starting to roll. What if, well done, thy good and faithful servant, is more than just a participation trophy? If it must be earned, what if it must be earned? Are you open to the question, what if? I'm just saying, what if? That's what I got. Word for word. I don't know about you. But I'm ready to play some music for the Lord. Whether it's on an instrument or my heart or it's reaching out, it's touching the least of these. It's loving. It's getting outside of these walls of ourself. And it's coming together. And I am seeing a people. And I believe God is building a people that is about to take this nation by storm. I, I, I think, I feel like sometimes it's just in our church, but I bet it's all over. I bet it's all over. God doesn't just do anything one place, but he has kept us together for a year. This church has been together for 30-something years now. and Like I said, we've taken some bumps and bruises. and We've got off course at times, but the main thing has always been the main thing. And Jesus is the main thing. And we have held it together. And prayer is still going forth. And we're still going to O'Brien Park. We're still going to the jails. We're still going to the nursing homes. We're going to be ministering at the fair as soon as we leave here. Big Joe and the men folks been down here. Moved our projector back so you can see it good. Painted the children's church room. Replaced the bulbs in here. Our men folks are getting on fire. Brother Van... Climb the ladder 57 times, replacing bulbs. Brother John just wanting to do anything he can to help. I could say something about each one of you men. I'm so proud of each one of you. I'm so proud of this church and and how we are responding in these end times. Because look, this is the latter time right now. If we don't respond to God's love now, I don't know if there will be another chance. I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Man, I want to hear that. And I think it must be earned. What if?
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast today.